Chapter Thirty Eight of Journey to the Center of the Earth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Journey to the Center of the Earth by Chilverne. Chapter Thirty Eight. No outlet. Blasting the rock. Ever since the commencement of our marvellous journey, I had experienced many surprises, had suffered from many illusions. I thought that I was case-hardened against all surprises, and could neither see nor hear anything to amaze me again. I was like a man who, having been round the world, finds himself wholly blasé and proof against the marvellous. When, however, I saw these two letters, which had been engraven three hundred years before, I stood fixed in an attitude of mute surprise. Not only was there the signature of the learned and enterprising alchemist written in the rock, but I held in my hand the very identical instrument with which he had laboriously engraved it. It was impossible, without showing an amount of incredulity scarcely becoming a sane man, to deny the existence of the traveller, and the reality of that voyage which I believed all along to have been a myth, the mystification of some fertile brain. While these reflections were passing through my mind, my uncle, the professor, gave way to an excess of feverish and poetical excitement. "'Wonderful and glorious genius, great Sacknesem!' he cried. "'You have left no stone unturned, no resource omitted.' to show to other mortals the way into the interior of our mighty globe, and your fellow-creatures can find the trail left by your illustrious footsteps three hundred years ago, at the bottom of these obscure subterranean abodes. You have been careful to secure for others the contemplation of these wonders and marvels of creation. Your name engraved at every important stage of our glorious journey leads the hopeful traveller direct to the great and mighty discovery to which you devoted such energy and courage the audacious traveller who shall follow your footsteps to the last will doubtless find your initials engraved with your own hand upon the centre of the earth i will be that audacious traveller I, too, will sign my name upon the very same spot, upon the central granite stone of this wondrous work of the Creator. But in justice to your devotion, to your courage, and to your being the first to indicate the road, let this cape, seen by you upon the shores of this sea discovered by you, be called, of all time, Cape Sacknusem. This is what I heard, and I began to be roused to the pitch of enthusiasm indicated by those words. A fierce excitement roused me. I forgot everything. The dangers of the voyage and the perils of the return journey were now as nothing. What another man had done in ages past could, I felt, be done again. I was determined to do it myself, and now nothing that man had accomplished appeared to me impossible. Forward, forward, I cried in a burst of genuine and hearty enthusiasm. 
I had already started in the direction of the sombre and gloomy gallery when the professor stopped me. He, the man so rash and hasty, he, the man so easily roused to the highest pitch of enthusiasm, checked me, and asked me to be patient and show more calm. "'Let us return to our good friend Hans,' he said. "'We will then bring the raft down to this place.' I must say that though I at once yielded to my uncle's request, it was not without dissatisfaction, and I hastened along the rocks of that wonderful coast. "'Do you know, my dear uncle,' I said as we walked along, that we have been singularly helped by a concurrence of circumstances right up to this very moment. So you begin to see it, do you, Harry? said the professor with a smile. Doubtless, I responded, and strangely enough, even the tempest has been the means of putting us on the right road. Blessings on the tempest! It brought us safely back to the very spot from which fine weather would have driven us for ever. Supposing we had succeeded in reaching the southern and distant shores of this extraordinary sea, what would have become of us? The name of Saknussem would never have appeared to us, and at this moment we should have been cast away upon an inhospitable coast, probably without an outlet. Yes, Harry, my boy. There is certainly something providential in that wandering at the mercy of wind and waves towards the south. We have come back exactly north, and what is better still, we fall upon this great discovery of Cape Sacknusum. I mean to say that it is more than surprising. There is something in it which is far beyond my comprehension. The coincidence is unheard of, marvellous. What matter? It is not our duty to explain facts, but to make the best possible use of them. Doubtless, my boy. But if you will allow me, said the really delighted professor. Excuse me, sir, but I see exactly how it will be. We shall take the northern route. We shall pass under the northern regions of Europe, under Sweden, under Russia, under Siberia, and who knows where, instead of burying ourselves, under the burning plains and deserts of Africa, or beneath the mighty waves of the ocean. And that is all, at this stage of our journey, that I care to know. Let us advance, and heaven will be our guide. Yes, Harry, you are right, quite right. All is for the best. Let us abandon this horizontal sea, which could never have led to anything satisfactory. We shall descend descend and everlastingly descend do you know my dear boy that to reach the interior of the earth we have only five thousand miles to travel bah i cried carried away by a burst of enthusiasm the distance is scarcely worth speaking about the thing is to make a start my wild mad and incoherent speeches continued until we rejoined our patient and phlegmatic guide all was we found prepared for an immediate departure there was not a single parcel but what was in its proper place we all took up our posts on the raft and the sail being hoisted hans received his directions and guided the frail bark towards cape sacknussem as we had definitely named it 
the wind was very unfavorable to a craft that was unable to sail close to the wind it was constructed to go before the blast we were continually reduced to pushing ourselves forward by means of poles on several occasions the rocks ran far out into deep water and we were compelled to make a long round at last after three long and weary hours of navigation that is to say about six o'clock in the evening we found a place at which we could land i jumped on shore first in my present state of excitement and enthusiasm i was always first my uncle and the icelander followed the voyage from the port to this point of the sea had by no means calmed me it had rather produced the opposite effect i even proposed to burn our vessel that is to destroy our raft in order to completely cut off our retreat but my uncle sternly opposed this wild project i began to think him particularly lukewarm and unenthusiastic at any rate my dear uncle i said let us start without delay yes my boy i am quite as eager to do so as you can be but in the first place let us examine this mysterious gallery in order to find if we shall need to prepare and mend our ladders my uncle now began to see the efficiency of our rumkorf coil which would doubtless soon be needed the raft securely fastened to a rock was left alone moreover the opening into the new gallery was not twenty paces distant from the spot our little troop with myself at the head advanced the orifice which was almost circular presented a diameter of about five feet the sombre tunnel was cut in the living rock and coated on the inside by the different materials which had once passed through it in a state of fusion the lower part was about level with the water so that we were able to penetrate to the interior without difficulty we followed an almost horizontal direction when at the end of about a dozen paces our further advance was checked by the interposition of an enormous block of granite rock a cursed stone i cried furiously on perceiving that we were stopped by what seemed an insurmountable obstacle in vain we looked to the right in vain we looked to the left in vain examined it above and below there existed no passage no sign of any other tunnel i experienced the most bitter and painful disappointment so enraged was i that i would not admit the reality of any obstacle i stooped to my knees i looked under the mass of stone no hole no interstice i then looked above the same barrier of granite hans with a lamp examined the sides of the tunnel in every direction but all in vain it was necessary to renounce all hope of passing through i had seated myself upon the ground my uncle walked angrily and hopelessly up and down he was evidently desperate but i cried after some moments thought what about arne saknussem you are right replied my uncle he can never have been checked by a lump of rock no ten thousand times no i cried with extreme vivacity 
this huge lump of rock in consequence of some singular concussion or process one of those magnetic phenomena which have so often shaken the terrestrial crust has in some unexpected way closed up the passage many and many years have passed away since the return of saknussem and the fall of this huge block of granite is it not quite evident that this gallery was formerly the outlet for the pent-up lava in the interior of the earth and that these eruptive matters then circulated freely look at these recent fissures in the granite roof it is evidently formed of pieces of enormous stone placed here as if by the hand of a giant who had worked to make a strong and substantial arch one day after an unusually strong shock the vast rock which stands in our way and which was doubtless the key of a kind of arch fell through to a level with the soil and has barred our further progress we are right then in thinking that this is an unexpected obstacle with which saknussem did not meet and if we do not upset it in some way we are unworthy of following in the footsteps of the great discoverer and incapable of finding our way to the centre of the earth in this wild way i addressed my uncle the seal of the professor his earnest longing for success had become part and parcel of my being i wholly forgot the past i utterly despised the future nothing existed for me upon the surface of this spheroid in the bosom of which i was engulfed no towns no country no hamburg no Königstrasse, not even my poor gretchen who by this time would believe me utterly lost in the interior of the earth well cried my uncle roused to enthusiasm by my words let us go to work with pickaxes with crowbars with anything that comes to hand but down with these terrible walls it is far too tough and too big to be destroyed by a pickaxe or crowbar i replied what then as i said it is useless to think of overcoming such a difficulty by means of ordinary tools what then what else but gunpowder a subterranean mine let us blow up the obstacle that stands in our way gunpowder yes all we have to do is to get rid of this paltry obstacle to work hans to work cried the professor the icelander went back to the raft and soon returned with a huge crowbar with which he began to dig a hole in the rock which was to serve as a mine it was by no means a slight task it was necessary for our purpose to make a cavity large enough to hold fifty pounds of fulminating gun cotton the expansive power of which is four times as great as that of ordinary gunpowder i had now roused myself to an almost miraculous state of excitement while hans was at work i actively assisted my uncle to prepare a long wick made from damp gunpowder the mass of which we finally enclosed in a bag of linen we are bound to go through i cried enthusiastically we are bound to go through responded the professor tapping me on the back at midnight our work as miners was completely finished the charge of fulminating cotton was thrust into the hollow and the match which we had made of considerable length was ready 
a spark was now sufficient to ignite this formidable engine and to blow the rock to atoms we will now rest until to-morrow it was absolutely necessary to resign myself to my fate and to consent to wait for the explosion for six weary hours End of chapter 38 Read by Lars Rolander